If you would take your scriptures and turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter 2. We'll be reading the entire chapter. If you would give ear to the reading of God's word. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterwards would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the word the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spotless and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by the tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray.
Dear Lord, You've called us as Your people to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. O Lord, we come to learn, to learn of your commands and to follow your guidance as it's given us in the word. Help us to hear. Help us to apply. Help us to stay true to all you give us through your word. We know without your help, we cannot do any of these things. We thank you for hearing our prayer and ministering to our needs. For we come in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Before we start, I want to make a change in the title. I originally titled this sermon, False Teachers. But I realize that does cover what we will be looking at in this sermon. But the message needs a better introduction to what we'll be hearing. So I retitled it, The Warning. There was no reason, no reason at all for Peter bringing up false teachers except to warn you about them. Let me begin with a review of chapter 1. In chapter 1, we saw election as the issue around which Paul is building his teaching. This is not something strongly declared by most commentators. However, it is alluded to by several very good and strongly reformed men. Matthew Henry and John Calvin both touched upon the idea of election, which I think is strongly established by Peter in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, as well as in 10. Also, the New Geneva Bible, in its outline, also gives credence to this position. This study's objective is to show you what Peter strongly believed this book taught. Most all commentators saw the theme of 2 Peter as being some form of a call of godliness. They are correct. That is the theme of this letter. Peter has grounded his call upon the call of God, thus upon the doctrine of election. In John Calvin's commentary on 2 Peter, the editors give the basic outline of the first chapter from Calvin's work. They started with the introduction, then the design of God's plan, followed by the end of the plan, and the certainty of the truth. I followed the same breakdown, only I outlined it as introduction, the foundation of election, the purpose of election, and the proof of election. Another thing that might be helpful is to understand when we speak of the doctrine of election, we're in essence referring to the plan of salvation. Salvation begins with God's choosing you from before the creation of the world. Paul says in Ephesians 1.4, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Election precedes creation. John in Revelation 13.8 also tells us about the fate of unbelievers with these words. All who dwell on the earth will worship Satan whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Both of these, along with a number of other references, show that your salvation came from the heart and the mind of God prior to his decree to create. As we come to chapter 2, Peter is continuing to build on his call to you to live a godly life. He shows you some of the very dangerous and ever-present things that can detract you from your growth. 
First, he warns of the great danger you face, false teachers. Second, he warns of the deception they bring. Last, he warns how they destroy the gospel through their lives and through their teaching. Peter, in laying down a strong appeal to live a godly life and basing that on God's call, he now turns to the first and greatest danger every Christian faces. That danger is those who want to destroy the gospel message that God has called you from darkness into light. I heard an interview several years ago with Dr. Peter Jones. Dr. Jones is the author of several very relevant books to our postmodern era. They are Gospel Truths, Pagan Lies. Three others are Spirit Wars, The Gnostic Empire Strikes Back, and The Return of the Rabbi. Now, for those of you who are fans of Star Wars, uh, you can uh, see that these were written to pique your interest. He also wrote the book Pagans in the Pews, along with a lot of others. Dr. Jones, in his interview, made this statement. All false religions, in the end, work to remove the idea of a creator. Now, I want to say that again, because I want you to really get this point. All false religions, in the end, work to remove the idea of a creator. They don't want you to worship the creator, the one who made the universe. They don't want you to worship the one who is the all-living God. Their goal is not the destruction of worship and spirituality. They don't care if you worship and are spiritual. But the end of worship of the Creator is what they want. Dr. Jones believes that such attacks have severely weakened the evangelical church today. Too many churches are becoming nothing more than houses of amusement. They have left the worship of the Creator for worship of the creation. The question you must ask about every service you're in is who is being lifted up? What is the source of the things being declared? If you cannot clearly say it is God being lifted up or the scripture that is the source of all that's being taught, then you as a believer must find somewhere else to worship. Peter's warning to the first century Christians is clearly as important to us today. Verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Peter indicates a very clear change from chapter 1 to chapter 2 with the word but. He has laid the foundation. He has established the purpose of the Christian life. He's given proof for his teaching. He now turns to a clear warning to all who would follow that truth. Satan is alive and well. He has one goal, to destroy the truth of God. He wants to turn as many as possible away from following God. He doesn't really care what they worship, just as long as they don't worship the true and living God. Peter says these false teachers have been with God's people from the very first day. They will do anything, anything, say anything, offer anything to turn you away from the truth. Dr. Jones summarized his teaching in this way. The truth is we worship the creator. The lie is that we worship the creation. Now let me say that one more time. The truth is we worship the creator. 
The lie is that we worship the creation. Paul Peter says they have been the battle. This has been the battle ever since the beginning of time, and it will continue to be the battle until the very end of time. God has always, always given instructions about dealing with false prophets to his people. In Deuteronomy 13, 5, the Lord tells them to put to death the prophet who speaks rebellion against him. In Jeremiah 23, 14, he says the false prophets of that day are like the people of Sodom. They commit adultery and walk in lies. In Ezekiel 22:28, the Lord tells us the ones on whom God pours out his wrath are those false prophets seeing false visions and divining lies. There are basically two things that make men false prophets. First, they deliver a message that doesn't come from God. Second, they claim to speak for God when he has never called them to do so. And they come in among God's people for the very purpose of leading them away from the truth. Peter warns against these false teachers and cautions every believer to be alert. Because as long as there is a church on this earth, it will be infiltrated by false teachers. Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, Jesus warns, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. There are many. Many of these warnings throughout the scripture, and for the true believer, they carry much weight. According to Dr. Simon Kistemaker, there are several questions we should ask ourselves as we consider this verse. First, what is the objective of these teachers? Peter says, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Here's their modus operandi. Now, if you don't know Latin, that means their operating procedure. They come into the Christian community for a purpose. That purpose is to destroy the confidence in the truth by replacing truth with a lie. They teach destructive heresies. They do not come in announcing their attentions. One of the things we started doing several years ago as people join the church, is asking the question, do you have a hidden agenda behind your membership request? We have had people that joined because they wanted to come in and change what we stood for. Peter says you must be alert to this tactic. Dr. Kistemaker's second question is, what are heresies? Now, heresy is an interesting word. In the Greek, it means to choose, or it can mean to prefer, or it can mean to take something for yourself. The making up of your own standard by which you live. It signifies a course of action chosen by an individual. What then makes the word heresy so offensive is that it brings about the separation from others who have a different standard. As believers... We follow God's word as our standard. A heretic chooses to follow another standard, and in this case, to try and get others to go with him. Paul, in teaching Titus, spoke to this in Titus 3.10, and I'm reading from the NIV. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. John, in 2 John 10, teaches, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, do not receive him into your house or greeting. You cannot fellowship with God and Satan. 
You cannot follow God's law in your own way. For what fellowship does light have with darkness? It has absolutely none. These destructive heresies Peter is talking about are what Dr. Jones was mentioning are attempts to get you to turn from the worship of the Creator to that of the creation. A good example today of this is the New Green Deal. You have to see that as a religion. You have to recognize it's a new religion that worships creation and not the Creator. Dr. Kistemaker, next question's Next question flows out of the last one. What is the result? The result will be the destruction of all who follow these heresies. These false teachers come under the cover of the darkness of lies and, as Peter says, secretly. They come and they bring destruction. Anyone who ignores the truth of God's word and rejects the wonderful offer of grace through Jesus Christ will be destroyed. Please understand, they aren't destroyed because they refuse to believe. They are destroyed because they never believed. The result of Adam's sin was death. And we were all under the condemnation of the sentence from the moment of our conception. Anyone who fails to hear and understand this gospel message will be destroyed. In the parable of the sower, we're told what was sown on good soil is the man who hears and understands it. This goes back to chapter 1 where Peter makes clear it is those who are called by God, chosen from before the world was created, that are his people. It is these and these alone that will hear and understand and thus be able to avoid these destructive heresies. Dr. Kistemaker's last question is, were these false teachers former members of the church? Yes, absolutely. They were. They were and were and some still are seen as members of the church. Peter says they came even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. This doesn't mean they were true believers and have now lost their salvation. It means they came testifying that they were true believers when they never knew the truth, nor the sovereign Lord who paid with his life for the true church. These apostles, the apostle John writes the, concerning these people. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. The word translated in 2 Peter 2, Lord or sovereign Lord, is the word despotes. This is the word from which we get our word Depot, despot, I'm sorry. Uh, in its use here, it is also closely associated with the verb to buy. It is most frequently used in relation to commerce and then sometimes in relation to the Lord buying his people. Christ purchased his people with his own blood so they might serve and obey him. These false teachers have come in claiming to be purchased by the blood but they never had the intention to be obedient or to serve. Therefore, they are not now, nor have they ever been, true believers, and herein lies the great danger. They are deceivers, and you must be careful to study and know the truth in order to avoid their lies. Please remember, you need to study the truth if you want to know error. 
Never study error to learn how to fight it. Study the truth to know the right way to fight the error. Peter now turns to the deception of these false teachers in verses 2 and 3. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetous they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. In spite, in spite of all the good teaching that may be given in God's church, there will be many, many who will fall victim to these false teachers. They will come with high-sounding ideals and many pleasing words, but the truth will be lost because of their greed. They will come entertaining and amusing many. They will be smooth and easy to listen to. They will not call you to hear the hard things of God's word, such as your sinfulness or your need to repent. They will tell you God's not angry with sinners. God is a God of love. He would never send anyone to hell. Many will listen, and they will follow their, their direction and will begin to leave the moral teachings of Scripture behind, thus bringing the name of Christ into their shameful behavior. This goes back to what we were talking about in the interview with Dr. Jones. There are both two ideas of religion. One is the worship of the true and living God, who is the creator of all things. The other is the idea of worship around the creation itself. These false teachers come teaching you can't worship the creation and forget the creator. I'm telling you, you can worship the creation and forget the creator. They may call for worship of the planet, of the environment, of the creatures such as birds, snakes, cows, or man himself. In the Star Wars movies, they worship the force. Obi-Wan Kenobi told Luke, the force is an energy field created by all living things. This is the goal of all false religions. It is to show that men, or as the Buddhists do, that creatures are the source of all power in the universe, not the one and only true and living God. Peter says these men are carried along by their greed. They worship money and the power money brings instead of God. They don't mind making up whatever suits their purpose to deceive as many as possible. Their goal, their whole goal, is to gather to themselves as much of the creation as they can. Why? Why would they do that? Because it's what they worship. Don't you, as a believer, want as much as you can have of God's blessings? Why? Because God is the one you worship. You want to be blessed by him. Men will seek together to themselves that which they see as being worthy. Believers see the creator as the only one worthy. But unbelievers see the creation as what is worthy. Here again is a warning to us as true believers. What's the heart of the teaching you hear each Sunday? It is stories or is it God's word? You must not allow anyone to pull you off the truth of God's word. You have to be constantly on guard against entertainment and especially entertainment in the church. 
Peter goes on to say what the final outcome will be for those who pursue a course other than God's word. He says their destruction has been with them from the beginning. From the moment Adam sinned. It has always been the judgment of God that everyone who refused to follow his word and be obedient to his commands would be destroyed. The fires of hell have not been cooled off once since God opened its doors and cast the fallen angels into it. Peter speaks very strongly to this denunciation of the rebellious. He gives to us three examples of God's condemnation of the rebellious. First, verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. He begins. He begins with a reminder that God did not spare the angels who rebelled, but he sent them to hell and chained them in gloomy dungeons because of their rebellion. What should we understand from this is that if God did not show mercy to the angels in their rebellion, we should understand he is under no obligation to show us mercy. It is by his grace that we are given the blessing of Jesus Christ of forgiveness from our sins, and this should make us very appreciative to God for his mercy. It should humble us and bring us to our knees at the foot of his throne with praise and glory on our lips. It should open our hearts and cause us to desire with great passion to know the truth, the truth of this great gospel, and make us ever watchful of those who would try to change the truth to a lie. The second example is found in verse 5. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Peter goes, goes from the angels to the pre-flood world. He deals with mankind. If God did not spare the ancient world from their sin and rebellion, but yet he offered protection to Noah, who was called a preacher of righteousness in his family, then we can learn that God does, not, that God does take care of those he has called even in the midst of evil. He didn't allow Noah and his family to be destroyed. He offered them grace and mercy because Noah believed God's word. You need to remember, believing God is the foundation of faith. Faith comes from hearing God's word. It becomes the ground of your salvation when you believe and act upon it. Please pay close attention to this next section. Noah was not saved because he had no sin. He was not righteous by his own actions, but because he believed the word of God and his belief was credited to him as righteousness. The third example comes from Lot, verses 6 through 8. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Why does Paul also mention, or Peter also mention Lot? He begins by making it very clear 
that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, not by flood, but by fire. Why? Because of their sinful lifestyles and as a sign of the universal judgment to come. These people refused to hear the truth and follow it. The thing to notice in this is the reference to Lot. Lot is called a righteous man. Yet, we hear of his life, and there was much in his life that was far from being exemplary. He was an ordinary man living among extraordinarily sinful people. His family struggled with the evil around them. He had pledged his two daughters to men of the city, and when told what was coming, they would not believe him, and they stayed and were destroyed. He was willing to sacrifice his daughters by giving them to the evil men who came to his door on that last night in order to protect the angels. His wife could not turn loose for the pleasures of their life in Sodom and was turned into a pillar of salt. Later he got drunk, committed incest with his daughters. Yet God calls this man righteous. Why? Because he believed God. Lot and his daughters were saved because Lot believed and trusted God above any and everything else. Now, please don't think that this somehow allows you to commit sins if you believe in God. That's not the point. The point is that the belief in God can can wipe out the sins because Jesus Christ went to the cross for us. Peter wants you to understand that salvation is based in the belief that God sent Jesus Christ into the world to do for believers what they can never do for themselves. You cannot save yourself. I don't care how many commands you keep or how good works, how many good works you do, salvation is not found in your actions. Salvation is in God and in God alone. You cannot place trust in anything that has been made and find eternal rest and peace. Verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. If this is so, and you can be assured it is, the Lord knows how to deliver those who place their trust in him and in him alone. The important thing for you to know is that it is only in trusting in God that you can be delivered from your sin and the consequences of death. Noah was delivered from a world taken over by sin. Lot was rescued from a city filled with sin and both by God's grace, not their own works. God delivered them from the trials that so disturbed their souls. He was also deliver he, he will also deliver you from each and every trial and circumstance of your life if you continue to hold to him and to him alone. But not so the ungodly. He knows how to hold them over for the final day of judgment, and he also makes them suffer for their sins even as they wait. Please, you must recognize that sinners never have a moment's peace. They may act as though they do, but according to God's word, peace is never known in their hearts. Listen to verse 10. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. 
He says, those who follow their own fleshly desires and rebel, rebel against all authority, will be held by God for judgment and will be in torment their whole lives under judgment, the judgment that is pronounced against them from heaven. They are cast forever into the eternal torment of the lake of fire, the second death. So in conclusion, we find that this passage is filled with some strong warnings and hard teachings. Peter has told us earlier about two types of men, the one regenerate and the other unregenerate. There will be a different end for these two men. One will be rescued by the grace of God and given a place in heaven where peace and rest shall forever be his inheritance. The other shall be allowed for a time to follow his own way, but he shall be held in God's wrath and will be lost without hope in the eternal punishment reserved for all who rebel against their creator. Peter warns each and every one of you that it is your duty to be ever watchful for those who would try to lead you away from the truth of justification by faith alone. Do not follow them. Place your trust in the word of God and hear nothing but his word. Follow no one who strays from the truth of his word. You should all know the gospel. It never hurts to hear it again. God the Father sent Jesus Christ into this world to deliver sinners from their sin. He came to do for you what you could never do for yourself. He lived the perfect life, died the atoning death, won the resurrection victory. So all, all who would believe and trust in him and him alone could be saved. How can you be sure you're doing this? By studying God's word and questioning everything you don't understand. Friends, it is your responsibility to question and double check that which you are hearing and to be sure it is God's word and is indeed the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be caught asleep, for your soul and its eternal rest are on the line. Open your heart and believe on Jesus Christ and all he's done for you. Acknowledge your sins and confess them. Repent and turn away from anything that does not praise God in your life. Open your heart, place your hope in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Then you will be strengthened. Strengthen in your faith and know how to recognize false teachers and their message of death. Let us pray. Our Father, we worship and love you. We come because we know you have changed our hearts. You have made us to grow in love with goodness, purity, justice, true holiness, and we understand why the cherubim and the seraphim continually cry, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God of hosts. Father, we know we have been washed and that Jesus bore away our sin. We cry out in praise for this wonderful salvation. We thank you for our deliverance from temptations. Lord, please purify us in head, heart, and hand. Refine us like gold. May we be made to love you, O Lord, and may we love your people. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.